on this week's Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Rick, we talked to the founder of Think Progress. He's a lawyer, he's a journalist, and he runs perhaps the most influential political email newsletter in the world. What's his name? Judd Legum. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine old pie show. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Minutia Men on the Radio Misfits. Today on this week's Minutia Men, we're talking about Nazi stuff. Oh, and then we're talking, we're talking about a cub. Because we do that. And we have an interview with the guy. Or a girl. We don't even. It's Mark Cuban. We're interviewing celebrities. <laughs> it's the Man celebrity interview. Ooh, we- clearly, we're all in a great place for this. We're, just, <laughs> we're spending like a full minute ripping on Minutiaman. The only reason we even exist, the only reason this whole goddamn network exists, I swear. The best thing this show has going for it right now is that it's on the same network as Minutiaman. And friends. An Opai show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opai show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Dave, today's guest is Judd Legum, uh, who is a uh, journalist, a lawyer, uh, which journalist and lawyer two of america's most popular professions <laughs> um in 2005 you founded think progress which was a very influential voice on the left for the uh, next 15 years or so and i was a devoted reader and he's now the editor-in-chief of a great newsletter called popular information and one of the pioneers of substack uh, if you don't mind judd let's start there what the hell is substack uh, and and when you explain it to us, remember that you're talking to two elderly gentlemen. Right. 57. So uh, this Internet thing, uh, it's a fad, right? That it, it may be, but, but it's actually not too hard to explain because fundamentally it's just a way to uh, send emails. Uh, and, and one of the great things about it is that pretty much everybody has an email so you can reach people via email without having to worry about you know, Facebook's algorithm or Twitter's algorithm or anything else, uh, it gets to people for the most part. Uh, And what Substack does is just make it really easy both to create the emails, send them to a bunch of people, make sure they get delivered. And also it gives you the option to have paid subscriptions too and to keep all that synced up so you know who has a paid subscription. Um, What is an email? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now, actually, you know, to be honest, I, Dave and I both have kids that are, you know, in their late teens, early 20s, and they're not big emailers, right? They're uh, they're all about texting. But yeah. but following you on Twitter is 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 something I've done for years. And you're like one of the best follows ever. Oh, well, I appreciate that. That's very kind of you. I'm going to have to write that down and make sure I tell my <laughs> wife about that. Uh, well, you can put her on the air right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, I think you're the first guest that we ever paid to have on the show. Uh, and you probably don't even realize it. We've subscribed to your newsletter, which means that we shell out 50 bucks, Judd. And I don't know if you've got a money tree in your backyard, because I don't have a money tree in the backyard. And we are forking out 50 bucks. Tell people what they get and it's a great value for the for the 50 shemackles yeah and and actually the model that i've moved to is that it's really 
uh, more of like an NPR model. So I, I create four emails a week. Um, some of them are big, you know, fairly lengthy investigations. I try to dig up documents and videos or whatever else I can find. Uh, some of which are more my analysis of, of things that are going on uh, in the news. And if you like it, uh, you can pay either $50 a year or $6 a month. And that's that's my job now, actually. It's a bargain. It's just, it's just to send people emails. Um, but, yeah, I think people can get something out of it. It depends on, you know, what you're into. But if you're into kind of nerding out on what powerful people are doing and what they're getting away with and maybe how to make them get away with slightly less uh i think people generally enjoy it yeah you do some deep dives you're lots of yeah. investigative pieces because well rick and i we pose as nigerian princes and we're making like 18.4 million dollars a month on it, emails it's a different money model but uh you know actually uh in all seriousness, I, I have a thesis I'd like to share with you because I, I worked in the media for 25 plus years. I, I've written a couple of books about it. I'm a media critic for a local publication here in Chicago. And this is my thesis. Now, I've, I haven't talked to someone who has the depth of knowledge you have about uh, the media world. But this my thesis is Fox News has broken America. And I don't say that as a joke. I really believe it. I think that the fact that we have these two uh, information silos now where people do not have to even engage in what is really happening in the world has caused the problems that we have in this country. And, and we have deep problems. Your, your thoughts on that? I don't think that's too far off. I, I mean, I think it's it's not something that's happened just recently that right. you had right. you've had people who are kind of living in an alternative reality but i think it's just gotten more and more extreme so extreme that now we have a whole constellation of people who are who focus on the stories that are too crazy for fox to even <laughs> right. after and true. and and who are you know who believe that they're not nice enough to trump and and so with they go off to you know, um, Newsmax or OANN or these other even farther right outlets. Uh, but but I think we saw, you know, on January 6th, we saw the consequences, right? Like, yeah. it's not just that people are doing this because it's kind of a fun pastime and they're sort of in on the joke. No, people actually believe whatever they're being told and it can be kind of dangerous um as somebody who lives in washington dc I, I saw them sort of streaming past uh my window on the way to the on the capitol building oh, so um that, that definitely had an impression on me but i think i think you're right and, and that's you know part of what i i why i enjoy the work that i'm doing is i do think that the whole system only works if people are informed. You know, if you have a democracy where you're relying on people to figure out, well, who are they going to elect? Who are they going to put in charge? They have to have something, some kind of information. And if they're only fed lies and, and things that are just clearly not true, well, you know, then you don't necessarily uh, get the best people. So it it is it is a big problem. Well, you know, I, I see it. And when I, I go to like, uh, you know, cocktail parties or whatever, you uh, parties around the neighborhood and somebody 
I'll bring up something that I've seen on television or, you know, on, on one of the cable networks or or that I've read in the Washington Post or the New York Times or something. And then uh, inevitably I'll talk to somebody who doesn't follow the news that closely and they'll say, well, where'd you get that? I said, well, I read it in the New York Times. Like, well, of course, the New York Times. That's so biased. Like, where do you get your news? Right. Facebook. Yeah, right, right. You know, so I mean, it, it, is, it is a problem. But there's one other thing I want to talk to you about. Uh, well, there's several things, but uh, you're you're a, a lawyer. And one of the reasons I like reading your stuff is uh, you have that uh, legal background. And right now we're in a situation, one of the big stories going on is uh, the new Justice Department under Merrick Garland. And just to be totally fair about this, uh, you have some critiques about the way he's handling things, don't you? Yeah, I think it's an interesting position because Merrick Garland, he's a very sort of respected traditional legal person. I mean, he was a judge, obviously, for many years, nominated to the Supreme Court. That didn't work out so well for him. Um, but but he's steeped in that tradition. So I think he's coming into the Justice Department and he's trying to say, well, how do we restore the independence of, of the institution where we're just looking to uphold the law? We don't care about the political outcomes. The difficulty is he's inheriting a Justice Department that's yeah. in the middle of all of these extraordinarily political things that they started doing under the Trump administration, one of which is defending Trump in this defamation suit uh, that was filed by a woman, uh, E. Jean Carroll, who says that Trump raped her in a dressing room in the right. 90s, uh, which is not a normal thing for the Justice Department yeah. to do. Uh, but, you know, he has... I mean, it's him, it's it's his deputies, it's the whole department, but they've decided that they're going to continue to defend him. And they're essentially arguing that it, by answering questions from the media, even if he's talking about an alleged rape from, you know, decades before he ever became president, that's part of the job of being president and i think i i understand why they're doing this you know why they're they're kind of bending over backwards to um justify uh what the justice department did under the trump administration or or keep you know not abandon this position just because you know they're not trump people but i i do think that they're taking it too far and in some cases significantly too far where you know they could just as easily made a very compelling case as to why uh the justice department shouldn't be involved in you know defamation cases re resulting from rape allegations do you so, think do you think that it's just a general and <clears throat> just in general they're they're defending the concept of uh suing a president for something he says in a press conference is that uh that's what they know. that's what they talk about you know, and and the thing about the law is that especially if you've got very smart people involved, you could always come up with some argument that's not totally, you know, baseless. Right. But you could also come up with the other argument. And so it was a choice that they made. And I think in some cases they're making um, they're making the wrong they're making the wrong choices. And you can't just pretend like what happened over the last four years uh, before, uh, you know, Biden came into office was normal. Right. You know, so normally, normally, I think 
someone comes into the position of attorney general and they want to for the most part just continue most of the legal stuff that the department of justice was doing because it's supposed to be apolitical right but you don't become apolitical by continuing all of the really political <laughs> stuff that your predecessor has done. So I think that's the that's the problem there. Right well, you know, with with Bill Barr, I, I imagine you don't have all afternoon to talk about it. But, you know, uh, Bill Barr had some pretty appalling decisions and rulings. Uh, what stands out, uh, you know, to you to, during the Trump DOJ? And, you know, what are some of the real egregious rulings that, you know, come to mind? Well, I, I think, you know, we're just starting to learn about some of them, honestly, yeah, right, now, that know, he's, right. now that he's now that he's out of office. And I really think it's the it, it all stems to the use of the Justice Department as just a purely political weapon. Um, you know, we just found out uh, this week about them subpoenaing journalists trying to find out or subpoenaing members of Congress. Even yeah, that's even families, worse. Right. Uh, trying to trying to find out, you know, who which journalists they were talking to really part of a political operation. We saw how he handled the, the Mueller report where he didn't release it, put out something saying a bunch of things that it really didn't say the report didn't say and then released parts of it later you know just using his position to kind of spin it in the most um you know partisan way possible which always sticks out to me was an interview that he had i forget what year i think it was towards towards the end when they were sort of talking about because before he came when he was coming in People on the left, a lot of the, you know, sort of, again, sort of serious lawyer types were saying, oh, you know, Bill Barr, it could be a lot worse choice. Right. This is somebody who's an institutionalist. Yeah. Who's an institutionalist. This is someone who's respected. Like, you know, we don't love him, but considering who Trump could have put in, we're we're happy with this choice. And he was asked, um, you know, uh, by a by a member of the media, like, what do you think? Because you're getting all you you used to have this. Rep, great reputation and now people just sort of believe you are a, a partisan you know hack for for trump and his response is well we're all gonna die someday i know, <laughs> you know? I know. so yeah. so i think like um you know <laughs> to, to he, say there's he, no remorse would be an understatement right yeah and so i think a lot of the stuff now obviously you can go on and on and on about you know how what kind of um the the posture that that they took on a lot of these cases but i think it all a lot of it really comes back to just completely dispensing with the idea that they're going to be sort of a neutral arbiter of of the law yeah uh, and 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 just turning over the department to you know kind of trump's you know political political fights yeah uh, of his, he has in. many well, yeah. you know, to me, it, it's not just about what they uh, they pursued, which, you know, some of those were really bad, but what they yeah. blocked, yeah. you know, uh, and, and we're getting to the point where it's starting to feel, you know, they used to, used, used to say that Ronald Reagan was the Teflon president, that nothing would stick to him. Um, but, you know, this guy, uh, former President Trump, I mean, 
He's broken tax laws his whole life. He's conned people. He doesn't pay his bills. He cheated veterans with a fake charity. He sexually assaulted dozens of women. Violated the emoluments clause. Was at least negligent during the pandemic that killed a half a million people. Lied to the American people 30,000 times. Led an insurrection against America. Nothing has happened to him. He is he paid no price at all. Well, he's off Twitter. <laughs> Do you think that anything that might is... be that might be a, that might be a punishment worse than that? Seriously. But do you think anything will you think, you think he'll ever be held accountable for anything that he's done? You know, it's possible. Um, certainly, there's a there's a grand jury in New York now that's calling a lot of people who would know what Trump was up to, especially with his financial dealings. You know, now that may not end up with with Trump being punished, um, uh, but it might. You know, it it could. Uh, similarly, there's there's uh, I think the one of the district attorneys in Georgia is looking to his you know calls to the secretary of state there asking him to find various amounts of votes and, and right. whether that right. violated the law. So there's there's yeah, people I just who need are, eleven thousand. Just right. give us yeah. eleven thousand. Maybe yeah. twelve <laughs> if you can get a deal on. You make it look but, good. Twelve point five. Yeah, sorry. Go so ahead. there's there's certainly people who are pursuing it. You know, but he has a lot of people who are willing to protect him. You know, one thing that's that stood out to me that just happened over the last few days was that the FEC uh, fined uh, the uh, tabloid uh, producer, AMI, who, who produces um, National you know, Enquirer, the, the Nas- National Enquirer, along with a number of other tabloids. And they find them because they were they received they, they were involved in a scheme uh, essentially to evade campaign finance laws by laundering uh, this hush money to to women who claim that they had relationships with Trump. This this actually wasn't r- related to the assault allegations. These were just women that he was having affairs with Stormy Daniels yeah. and, and things like that. Um, like Karen but, McDougal, I think. Yeah, uh, Karen McDougal, that right. whole thing. Yeah. But what's interesting is the FEC did not find Trump. I know. Actually, of course, Master did the whole scheme. And the reason why is there's Republicans who are on the FEC and they just don't want to to do anything that's, um, you know, would be negative towards Trump. And, but it's clear when you when you find it's not that they don't believe anything wrong happened because they were willing to go along with right. finding the National Enquirer. So they realized, like, hey, this whole transaction was pretty screwed up. Like you can't just in the middle of a uh, of an election campaign just start funneling hush money to various women to help a guy somebody get get elected. Yeah, Michael um, Cohen went to prison for this. Yes, 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 he did. So I think that that you know that is going to weigh in his favor, and I also think that is why at least I don't know if he'll run in twenty twenty four, but just talking about his interest in politics and staying involved in politics, I think gives him a, uh, a little bit of protection. Right. For Cause all he can say it's all a political witch hunt if they come after yeah. him. Right. And judges and judges and, and prosecutors are always more hesitant. They'll pause a little bit more if they're going to go after a political figure because it just, it just raises the stakes for everything. And so I think the more he's involved, the more hesitant people are going to be 
to move forward. You know, it's one thing. I mean, just going after a former president, obviously, is a huge thing. But right. going after, you know, the Republican nominee or the potential, you know, Republican nominee is is even a bigger deal. So you're saying no, he will, <laughs> nothing will ever happen to him. <laughs> I, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's pot, you know, it's possible. And, and the other thing is like something could happen, but it may not be very satisfying. Right. Like, you know, it could be like the Trump organization is going to be fined. Yeah. You know, or something like that. Or, We're not going to get our perp walk right. is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. But one thing I realized, you know, following the news for many years is that anything can happen. So I don't I'm not really in the predictions game so much because things happen very quickly. But, yeah, it's not something I'm that I think is is inevitable. And I also think like the coverage of it kind of gets people's hopes up a lot. Right. That's true. The grand jury. Oh, this person went to the grand jury. Oh, that person went to the grand jury. Well, they they can bring a lot of people before the grand jury doesn't mean they're doing anything. (laughs) Well, you know, I don't want to say your 50 bucks is riding on this, but we're not going (laughs) to be paying this unless you start doing something, my friend. (laughs) You know, if only there was a journalist out there who (laughs) could uncover some sort of criminality of the most criminal person in America. (laughs) Well, that's the thing with that's the thing with Trump. You don't need to uncover anything. It's all in the open because it's all all in the open. He just talks about it. I mean, that's actually one of his primary ways he defends himself he just says it you know it's genius and it's really. like if i say if i say it how bad could it be yeah. you know so so if you're joe biden in fact let's i don't know if you can do a joe biden person impersonation <laughs> or not but you know what would you tell you know what is the most important priority and you know with the current situation that he's facing the senate and the house and actually rick and i were talking before we went on the air about just all this infighting democratic infighting you know what can he realistically achieve and what would you, you know, what do you what are we hoping for? What's a what, if you had to pick one thing, you know, that he should go for? What would it be? I I really think you need to look at at the the, the whole system, voting rights, uh, democracy itself and and try to get something done in the next, you know, uh, year and a half that, that you that you're going to have uh, a democratic controlled senate and house i know he's got some some difficulties with with mansion right and uh and a couple of other folks in the senate but mansion does say that he wants to do something to protect voting rights he just wants a bunch of republicans to go along with him which is not going to be right uh but but at the same time it's you know it's probably a better chance than not that the republicans take back the house yeah. uh in 2022 just if you look at if you look at history uh, it right. doesn't always repeat itself but it but it's it's close anyway so you know they, they may do that and the redrawing and, of the maps and all that stuff that is exactly is happening. right exactly and so this might be the last chance you have to do something because what you're seeing at the state level is really an all-out assault on the whole process and and the thing that i think is a huge risk is that in the midst you know we did have an insurrection at the capitol so it wasn't exactly smooth sailing but at the state level to the extent it needed to happen things kind of just barely held together you know that that the people um certified what they needed to certify and and that kind of saved the whole 
thing. Right. But there's a lot of changes to be made, not only to restrict voting, but also just to politicize that whole process so that we might not be sure that that would happen the next time around. And the people uh, that, and, that did make those decisions that did stand up uh, are getting death threats, uh, you know, and, no and you yeah. know, honestly, you hate to say it, but uh, if your life is on the line yeah. and, and you've got people calling up and saying stuff like, you know, I know where your wife works and things like that, which is happening. It happened yeah. to the the, the uh, Secretary of State in Georgia, a horrible death threats that he still gets all the time. And all he did was say the vote is legit. Yeah. 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 And he's actually not amazing on voting rights. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, he's, exactly. He has, he has he has some modicums of principles where he wasn't ready just to, like, certify the person who lost the election as the winner. Right. And, I, winner. and I guess we should congratulate him for that. He's not you know, he is a, he is a sort of a big time Republican, but he's now being challenged by a lot of by several people who are who, who are really challenging him on the basis of he didn't do enough to promote Trump's false claims of, of voter fraud. <laughs> right. So my view is you've got about 18 months to try to get some federal protections to make sure that the elections run properly. What, won't, that, that won't mean that Democrats will win all of those elections if they're run properly, but right. it would at least you know make sure that they have a, a chance and that yeah. they're, they're fair. So I think you can, if you really put an emphasis on that, um, and I know he's got some other things he's working on now with with infrastructure and, and all that kind of stuff. But if you really put an emphasis on that, I think there's at least a chance that you could make some progress on mansion to at least, you know, not the whole for the people act HR one, but maybe right. something that could have some real impact and get him to bend a little bit on that. So I would, if it was up to me, which it's not, and, and no one <laughs> really is listening to me, but if it was up to me, that's what I would do. It would be like working on the fact to, to get people to understand that like the Democrats need, while they have this time, need to come together to kind of to save, save the save, yeah. save the country. All right, great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, this has been a really uplifting this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for bringing the day. And you know what? Mm-hmm. You're not getting the 50 bucks back. If that's what yeah. Hold that thought. We have to take a break. Minutia Men Celebrity Interview will be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm glad this is something we can't be fired from, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you positive about that? Well, you got to listen. Yeah, let's see if this show is a fireable offense or if there's something in it that is. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. All right, Adam, what uh, country are you from? I am from England. What is the best soccer league in the entire world? The English Premier League. What is your day job? Director of coaching for Illinois Youth Soccer. So if you were, say, a fan of English Premier League and you wanted to hear the, the opinions of someone who is from England, who knows a lot of soccer, what podcast would you tell people they need to listen to? Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. And that's on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Free Kicks, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. RadioMisfits.com. 
Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is back. You know what's funny, Judd, is Dave and I, we never do political interviews. We've never done one. Yeah. Uh, we had Anthony Scaramucci yeah. on. That's the closest we've done to a political uh, interview. But, uh, you know, we have opinions, and occasionally we like to talk to people who know what they're talking about, and you're one of those people. And again, as I, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I highly recommend people follow you on Twitter because you're doing uh, some incredible work. And, and please go out there and find Judd. And, and Judd, why don't you give us the plugs that you need to uh, to get out yeah, there. Where for... can people find you? Instagram handle? Yeah, I think the best way, you could just go to the, in addition to a newsletter, it's also a website. It's called Popular Information, and you can find it at popular.info. Uh, and then on Twitter, it's just my name, Judd Legum, L-E-G-U-M. Thanks for being two on D's the show. And Judd. Yeah. What's, yeah, two D's. Two D's. Right. Double D's. <laughs> two D's. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Thanks hey, for having me. No, appreciate really it. appreciate it. And um, yeah. Keep up the keep, good work. Keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Judd. Okay. I'll try. See you guys later. <laughs> All right. Bye right, bye. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opie is hippo backwards. O P P I H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla, Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it's just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive, remember the Plymouth Prowler? We talk about great retro car designs that are cool, fun, and mostly affordable. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Lou Constable for this story and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an Old Pie Production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. You know, I was uh, telling my kids the other day that uh, I never thought the 90s had a look, but you look at pictures of ourselves, oh boy, the 90s really does have a look, doesn't it? If I would have known what was going to happen to my hair, <laughs> I wouldn't have gone through the mullet years. Is that your final haircut was the mullet? Yeah, well, the comb over, is that a haircut? That counts. Yeah, all right. Well, then no. But okay, that's good. It was the last official one. Did you ever have the the mullet in the back and the bald on top at the same time? No, no you mean the Joe Dirt? Yeah, no, that, I never, that I never went been, Joe Dirt. That would have been a great look. Listen to <laughs> Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, Amazon, or wherever you find podcast just search for radio misfits